Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 on and off the track with Kim Elman. You can see his photos at ProStarPix.com or read his latest F1 blog at KimElman.com. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking pre-race for the Spanish Grand Prix. How are you doing today, Kim? I'm excellent. I'm sitting here on the beach in Lancelin where it's a mild 23 degrees, there's no wind, and I'm looking at Lance on an island across calm water, so I'm well happy. Well, let's talk about Spain, and uh, what's the trip to Spain like getting there? It's uh, one of the longer ones. It's an 11-hour jaunt uh, to Dubai, a couple of hours on the ground, and uh, I think six or seven hours to the capital, well, uh, to Barcelona, and then um, a short car drive to a hotel. Well, I get there on Wednesday, and I'll probably go out to the track in the afternoon Wednesday and just have a quick look around, secure a desk in the media centre, grab a locker, get my tabard, do all the stuff that one has to do prior to going out and taking a first photo. But then uh, from Thursday through to Sunday, it's full-on 12-hour days, lots of photographs, hopefully some great ones. So what's Spain like in general, the, the city and the area around the track and that kind of stuff? Barcelona City I quite love, very busy, um, there's, a, there's a waterfront that's quite magnificent, I've stayed on the water the last two years but this time I'm staying uh, inland a little bit, uh, in more into the city area, beautiful food, good people, enthusiastic, they love Formula One, the track itself is probably a half an hour drive, 25 minutes to a half an hour out of town along a freeway and uh, it's in an area called Montmelo, I have actually stayed out in that little country town once before but there's not much on offer at night and um, I prefer rather to stay in the city. The track itself um, is easy to get to, we get parking so we park in the media car park and they bus us over to the entrance to the paddock and that is one of the great things being media, you do get uh, the best access so there's there's no queuing up as a rule, you tend to get an express lane and uh, obviously we've got a fair amount of kit that we have to carry around mm. especially going to and from the race so it's nice to be able to and not have to lug it too far. Well, you mentioned uh, being staying out around the track. What is the accommodation like around the area? Uh, if you stay out and in Montmelo in that area there, there um, looks there's no five-star hotels. It's comfortable sort of stuff, smaller properties, a little bit better value than perhaps staying in the city. But look, as soon as F1 rolls up, everyone jacks their prices up in accommodation. There's, there's not one place that we go to in the calendar where we get normal rates. It's just this big red flag. Everyone wants to come to the Formula One, so we're going to double, treble, quadruple, quintuple, if that's the word, <laughs> the price. Um, and in Monaco, that, that's certainly the case. But here, being a city, uh, and there being quite a population, it's not as bad as, say, somewhere at Silver, like Silverstone, where it's uh, out in the country and there are very few places to stay. So uh, your choices are limited and um, very expensive. And what... What's the track itself like in Spain? It's an older track uh, facilities-wise. In fact, look at the paddock and uh, the grandstand and then the little media suites and um, corporate suites. They're not flash. There's certainly nothing like a new track. And I, um, I, I think, in fact, that it looks like Barcelona might lose this race and perhaps Holland may pick it up at Zandvoort, but um, that's still up in the air. I like the track itself. Um, it's handy for us because if you take a track like the last one in Azerbaijan at Baku, to get from one end to the other, the furthest distance is well over 2Ks. Now, that's a heck of a lot of walking and inconvenience to get to that far end of the track. Mm. The Barcelona track is quite compact. It winds in on, on itself and 
I think you wouldn't be traveling any more than maybe 800 meters to the furthest point. And the beauty of this track being a purpose track, it's not a city track, is that there are media buses, shuttles that run around the outside and the inside. So much like uh, a couple of the other tracks recently, say China, you just jump on a bus and within a minute or so, you can be another K away in a different spot. And certainly for most photographers, they like to go to a few spots during a session. So if you've got an hour and a half, you wouldn't normally sit it out in one spot that whole hour and a half. You would go probably three, four, five different spots. And once you're in those spots, you would then try and get different shots, different uh, wide angles or tights, etc. Uh, grandstands, beautiful big grandstand on the main straight. The, at the end of the straight, the exit of the pits, there's this lovely tall tower which has the driver's names and um, their positions, etc. and times. And that's, that's a nice thing to put in a photo if you go a little bit further down than the exit of the pits. You can shoot the cars coming out with this lovely tower and the grandstand in the background. The first turn is lovely. It's, uh, it's an S, effectively, and we get to stand up high if we want, and, and I would stand up high for the start. And then once they go past you, you turn around and you walk five metres, and they come, you get to see them uh, going past you on turn one and two, and then coming back on what must have been three, four, five, etc. So that's, that's a double chance to get great photos, and, and that's something you don't often get, uh, certainly not in the last track, Baku. Once they go past you, they're gone. You've got to wait another minute mm. and 50 or, or so for them to come back round again. So does the Spanish track have a great like backdrop to it? There are some mountains that you can work into it. They're a long way away. Uh, grandstands. Mm, no, there's, there's nothing sensational. However, uh, if you... If you're there late afternoon, and certainly the race is not late enough, but I'm actually staying on for testing. And uh, the beauty of testing is they run right up until I think about six o'clock and you get this last golden hour of sunlight. Mm. And there are certain corners where you can take photos, the likes of which you can't normally take with golden light bouncing off the cars and off the tarmac. And it's really quite special. So um, I don't know whether anyone's ever really considered testing. It's a great opportunity for us as photographers to get shots that we wouldn't get normally. A lot of that signage that was up for the race has gone, so you get a much cleaner shot oh, okay. in many instances. And one of the beauties of um, testing is that there are no people down in the paddock. It's just media, a few media, a couple of photographers, uh, video guys, teams, and drivers. We get the chance to get right up close with the drivers. They're much more relaxed, so they'll stand and talk to you, or they'll go out in the pit wall and watch. And for me, it's, it's an opportunity to get shots that most photographers just don't get during the four days of an event. Yeah, that does sound like a real opportunity to get some great stuff. So you mentioned that this is the testing track for the drivers. What's that like? What are the pros and cons of testing? Well, it's the same track. It's just the fact that uh, it's all day. They have an hour off in the middle of the day where everybody stops. Um, and... Look, look, we can go down, everyone can go down, all the photographers can go down into the pits, so we don't need a special pit lane pass, because uh, for us during a race weekend, we would only get, as a rule, um, one pit session, and I would normally go Saturday for one hour. But with testing, I can be down there for the four hours in the morning and the four hours in the afternoon. I can be there for eight hours if I choose, and that's a real bonus, because you, as I said before, you get this up-close opportunity with the drivers, uh, although the teams are a lot more secretive for some reason. 
uh, and maybe it is because they are trying out new things. Mm. As soon as the cars get back into the garage, these screens go across and you're then forced to, maybe if you're lucky, squeeze in a shot in between two or three screens that uh, they might push up against each other. But otherwise, you perhaps don't get the same sort of shot that you would get on a race weekend. But um, the access to the drivers more than makes up for that loss. So let's talk about now the media centre. What's that like in Spain? A little ordinary, um, quite packed, hot, it can be. But it's upstairs and we can actually stand, look out the window, and if we wanted to, you could watch the start from up there and probably one of the best spots that anybody would have on the track. But it is an ageing facility and you're always going to have in in the fact that you've got 21 races, you're going to get 21 different types of media centres. But uh, look, it's not the worst one. The fact is that we are right in the middle of it. We walk downstairs and we're in the middle of the paddock, whereas last race in Baku, for instance, we have to walk 100 metres to the Hilton Hotel, then go upstairs into the ballroom. And if anything exciting is happening down in the paddock, it's um, 90 seconds to a couple of minutes to get back there. And, and that's probably one of the best aspects of it, is that we're so close to the paddock, although we are mixed up with journalists, so it tends to be not just photographers. F1 On and Off the Track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. Okay, how is the paddock and pit area in Spain? Well, this is the first race of the year that we get to see these magnificent motorhomes that the teams bring, and they are monstrous, and they set up in the paddock. They set up these hospitality suites and areas for their drivers. And I look at something like a Sauber suite, or this year, Alfa Romeo. It is a major piece of kit. Very lavish, uh, big interior spaces, air-conditioned, and we get to go and... uh, have a meal in there depending on who you're aligned with Uh, certainly ferrari invite all media to have lunch so does mercedes after they've fed their team Uh, and red bull as well will invite you in red bulls is is magnificent because they have a kitchen upstairs and you can get to see the chefs cook your meal for you it's it's pretty flash and Mm. uh, after the race all of that stuff just packs up within a day and is off to the next location which uh, is monaco now, that's very exciting, very cool, and is that kind of unique to Spain and Monaco? Well, no, all of the European races have the, the motorhomes come, and uh, they, they will just truck those things around the country. I, I just mentioned Monaco, in fact, and we'll talk about that pre-race for that event, but they have an energy station that you would not believe, <laughs> and that's why if, if you're going to be a paddock club person and you get to go down into the paddock, and enjoy any of these facilities, they charge you an absolute fortune because they're having to set this stuff up, they're having to truck it in, they've got huge staff numbers, and it's all set up for effectively three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for most events. Well, what's the turnout like in Spain then from the audience and from the F1 fans? Uh, Good crowd, big numbers, they love it, Uh, very passionate. Carlos Sainz is going to have all of the Spanish backing this year because obviously Fernando Alonso is not there. Last year, I remember after the race, those two Spanish drivers, Fernando and Carlos, stood up on a platform after they'd done their media interviews and they both had Spanish flags. And it was a great photo opportunity. People went wild because after the race, um, 
there's just chock-a-block down in that paddock. I don't know where these people come from, but um, they're all out the back in the paddock and they tend to lap up that sort of stuff. So one Spanish driver this year in uh, Mr. Sainz, so he'll have all of the attention of that particular crowd. And I remember that at about turn four or five, they had a whole stand full of Carlos fans last year. And it's a marvellous sight to see and photographically great when that car comes around and you can fill the background with a whole sea of number 55 signs waving. Well, Spain was your first introduction into photography for F1, I believe. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, going back to 2016, I'd been to one race at Abu Dhabi and I thought, right, I really quite would like to get involved in this. And uh, the first uh, event I was accredited for was the Barcelona testing session. So I went there for four days and like I look back at those photos now, I thought they were pretty flash, but yeah, they weren't that flash at all. So it's a very quick learning curve, but um, I, I really did enjoy the fact that uh, it was exciting, it was new for me, great track, good people, uh, and being testing, you had a fair amount of latitude to go places you wouldn't normally get to go. And of course, being my first time, I was raw. I had no idea what was going on, so I was lucky to have a couple of photographers take me under their wing and just point me in the right direction. Uh, and now um, I feel eminently comfortable when I, when I go to that particular track, having been there for three times, and mm. this will be my fourth. Well, let's talk about some of the photos and, and stories from last year. I believe they had uh, an artist do some caricatures of drivers. Do you have any stories from that? Uh, they often do that uh, out the front there over the three days, the first three days of the race. The uh, That particular artist would just build these caricatures. In fact, coming into the track on race day, I said to Daniel, Daniel, can I get a quick photo of you in front of your character? And he said, no way, no way. He hated it <laughs> because he had way too big a nose on it. And uh, he was not going anywhere near that photo, which was funny. Some of the other guys were happy to do it. Um, but yeah, they often have at the at the entry to the paddock something interesting. I remember they did a, a Rubik's Cube picture one year, probably in Hungary. I think that's a Hungarian guy that uh, invented the Rubik's Cube. But yeah, they're interesting things to photograph and, and colourful. Last year, uh, Ferrari also had a special guest in a young child named Thomas. Do you know his story? Yeah, Thomas was a youngster that was in tears when Kimi crashed out at a race and somehow Ferrari found out that he was going to be at uh, the Spanish Grand Prix last year and they managed to find him and get him down into the paddock, meet Kimi again and that, that was a huge uh, story when that young fella had the tears in his eyes because he was also... Um, united with Kimi on that particular lovely photo of the youngster with uh, one of the Finnish TV reporters, Mervy. And uh, yeah, I recognised the youngster straight away from what I'd seen on television. Also last year, uh, a very rare, uh, I imagine, mistake happened where uh, Spanish had been spelt incorrectly on the ground throughout kind of the event. Can you tell us what that was about? Well, it was, a it was actually only in one spot on, and it was a fair cock up too, on uh, pit lane they have a, a stripe where have every driver's name and number is placed along with the hashtag for the event except instead of spanish grand prix they spelt it spanish grand prix or spanish gp and i'm thinking what well, how do you get your own country name wrong but it turns out it was i think um printed by the, the contractor which is a, a contractor out of england they go everywhere so maybe they didn't even think maybe they just didn't even see it i don't know but it was up there for a good couple of hours and I think I was one of the first to find it and I posted it straight away 
on my Instagram page and it had tremendous engagement because people love to find out, you know, see that sort of stuff yeah. and discover it and, and, and be smart. Hey, there's a mistake because we all make mistakes, but this one was a very visible one. It was blacked out quickly after the session straight after it was found out to be wrong and then corrected that night, I think. So by the next day when you came back in, it was all good again. It was the Spanish GP? Yes, it was, without the I in Spain. Uh, let's talk about the race from last year as well. Uh, there was a big uh, crash between Romain when he spun out and took out Pierre and Nico around around corner four, I think it was. Did you manage to get her any photos or were you around this event? I was at turn one, two, and uh, they go to my right and around the back and we just lose sight of them. Um, I don't think that's not a spot that there are too many photographers. Look, come race day, the major photo everybody wants is of 20 cars bunched together. So you need to be somewhere before turn one, turn two, maybe. So once you get a, a few turns around, they tend to spread out a little bit and it's not as good a photo. So yes, uh, there was a great pick. There were a couple that I saw, but certainly there weren't um, a a handful of photographers around there might have been two or three i do actually remember a story of um when nico rosberg and lewis hamilton came together in barcelona that must have been 2016 or 15 that was on that same section of track and the only photographer i believe to have got that shot was a fellow who had mistimed his walk out to a certain point and realized he wasn't going to get to where he needed to be so he thought right well, this is where I'm just going to have to shoot. So whatever comes my way, I'll shoot. Well, um, he or she, and I'm pretty sure it was a he because there's only two she's that shoot, managed to get this marvellous series of shots of the two champions, the two leaders, crashing out at that particular corner. So that's the sort of thing I dream of, being the only person to capture something quite amazing. And like last race, when I got that lovely shot of uh, Daniel and Daniil shaking each other's hand. That was lovely to have on my own, but yeah, it's not, not exactly a crash, and that's what you want. Mm. Crashes are the thing that you know get the most traction and sell best. Well, it sounds like you might have to hang out around that corner if it's been a, a problem in the past. Yes, it's got form. Uh, lastly, let's talk about your Instagram, and it's a great barometer for what people are interested in. So I wanted to know, what's your most popular post? Is it like a, a, a Daniel Ricciardo post or a, you know, a Lewis Hamilton? Funny you should ask that because... Uh, until yesterday, it would have been a shot of um, Charles Leclerc. However, I posted something yesterday afternoon. It was a picture of Mia Jasic, who is the new press secretary for Charles. She was with uh, Sauber and then obviously Alfa Romeo. Charles moved over to Ferrari, but she'd stayed for the first four races. But suddenly, uh, I see her in a Ferrari outfit come last race. So I put a before and after shot, one of Mia in her Salba outfit from last year and one in a Ferrari outfit, and it has eclipsed that photo by some 20%. It's well over 4,000 likes, and, and I, that surprises me, you know. I've got a rough idea of what I think works, and I thought, oh, this, this might be interesting to some people, but for it to be my single largest photo up to, my, up to this point blows me away. Yeah, it just goes to show that it's not just the drivers that are, you know, personalities in the F1. That's exactly right. And certainly I would have a large contingent of Charles Leclerc fans because he does tend to share my work. But um, for, for it to be just a, a person behind the scenes, or albeit linked to that particular driver, yeah, it really surprised me. Well, thank you very much for being with us today, Kim. We look forward to hearing your adventures in Spain. Do you have any closing thoughts for us? 
Yeah, it's a beautiful day in Lancelin. There's no wind. And if you want to see what I see, go to Facebook and have a look at Lancelin uh, WA. It is just an amazing place. Otherwise, uh, I shall be sending pictures from the track all throughout four days of the event starting Thursday. Thank you very much, Kim. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPics.com or KimIllman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at KimIllman. If you like what you've heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 on and off the track was presented by ProStarPics.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPics.com. Head there now.